Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, going solo. And if you've been wondering why this podcast hasn't been publishing episodes lately, that is because uh, of a new project, actually, that I started at Blue Wire. So I, you know, I, as you, as listeners of this podcast know, I am one who enjoys gambling quite a bit. Uh, I am often uh, the one that is uh, knows the gambling side of things most at Blue Wire, and they asked me to start a, a gambling TikTok, actually, where I'm giving out daily picks uh, for the company and. At timing-wise, it made sense to start it right now. There's, of course, college basketball. I'm sure many of you listening to this are filling out brackets uh, either now or in the coming days. Uh, there's NBA, there's NHL, all this kind of sports stuff going on right now. There's NFL free agency that you can bet on. There's the NFL draft, et cetera. So it took some time to get that project off of the ground. Uh, now I'm in a little bit of a better flow and expect I'll be able to return to this podcast a lot more. Jordan will be coming on again. We'll be back in the swing of things. Uh, you know, the uh, Unfortunately, the only time, you know, it really makes sense to take off from an NFL podcast perspective is in like June, but that's not really a good time to start uh, the gambling side of things. So you know, I had to settle for second best, which was kind of in that February period between, uh, you know, the end of the season and free agency. And, and so that's what we did. So I appreciate you guys' patience uh, and I'm going to be back recording and I've got plenty of thoughts on, on things that have happened with the Browns. And I think the number one place to start is with the trade for Amari Cooper, the big blockbuster trade for Amari Cooper. The Browns essentially sending a fifth round pick to the Cowboys uh, in exchange for Cooper, who is reportedly going to be released. So here's the thing with Amari Cooper. Here are my thoughts. Uh, he's extremely dependable. He's extremely consistent uh, as a wide receiver. So I think that, you know, fit-wise, again, uh, it should be pretty good. I understand the reservations that Browns fans have. You know, Cooper's reputation being a little bit diva-ish is there. And I know with Oda Beckham Jr., there was a thought of, uh-oh, is this this situation 2.0? But, you know, I think, number one, Cooper's, you know, antics, at least as far as publicly, have never been at the level of OBJ. It's a lot of behind-closed-doors type stuff. I think number two, you know, I don't really buy into this whole thing that like, oh, OBJ wasn't a precise route runner and Amari Cooper was, but I think there's a clear lack of connection between Baker Mayfield and OBJ. I think you got to hope that that doesn't exist with Amari Cooper. And if it does, if this is, you know, a thousand yard wide receiver number two that Baker Mayfield can't get along with, I think that the Browns front office has their answer about Baker Mayfield to some degree. Now, it, it, it it's certainly not that decision is not just resting on you know his chemistry and relationship with Amari Cooper, but I think it is another important factor. If it's two in a row, at some point you got to look at the common denominator there. Uh, and so I, again, I, you know, we talked about it. it. This team needs multiple receivers. So whether you know, I still think either on day one or day two, that's a, a possibility in the draft round one, or round two, in all likelihood. It may be a receiver that they sign later on in this free agency period, but we talked about it. There's not even close to enough production in this wide receiver room. It's not just a one guy type of thing. And we talked about the free agent market. You know, the top of the line guys are probably not the ones the Browns are signing. You look at that middle tier of wide receivers that traditionally has not been a good way to spend your free agent money. So what do the Browns do? They go and get Amari Cooper. Now, here's the thing about Cooper. 
he's also overpaid. And and that's the part I don't love about this is Amari Cooper is overpaid still. Now he's 27 years old, which people love to, you know, make fun of and all of that. And I get, and that's important though, because, you know, I think Andrew Barry in this front office have clearly prioritized that youth is a part of, of their plan of free agency. They are not going to go after the super veteran guys. They want to get people that are on relatively similar timeline as this core. Uh, and so, you know, Cooper does still fit that mold uh, for being a veteran wide receiver, but he's overpaid a little bit. So I don't love it. I'm kind of in the like it camp. The Browns needed to do something here. I think of their options, this one makes a lot of sense to get. I mean, it's a lot to ask a rookie to come in and lead a wide receiver, right? Like most of the best wide receivers that are rookies are, are doing it alongside somebody else, right? It's hard to come in and get double teamed and get all the attention on you, especially again, in an offense that's not going to be one where you're getting tons of high production. You know, that, that's a lot to ask of a rookie receiver. So, you know, I like bringing Cooper in. You know, he's not a pure wide receiver number one, I would say. He's kind of like a 1B, 2A type of thing. But I think you pair that with a rookie that you're hoping can be the number one wide receiver one day, and boom, you've got a, a, a nice combination there. I also think it gives the Browns some flexibility. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't like, I, I should say, I didn't like the, the Browns being in the situation of desperately, desperately needing one position. And I'm sure the front office didn't either in that first round. I mean, I think they would like to take the best player available, like to have the flexibility to trade back if they need to, all that kind of stuff. And with how bad the wide receiver room was, especially because as we'll get to in a minute with the Landry news, we knew that was coming. You really felt like the Browns were cornered into taking a receiver at 13. Now they've got some options. Now they can look to address the defensive end position, uh, you know, maybe with George Karloftis, maybe with Walker, who's rising up boards from Georgia. If the right receiver is not there, oh, well, they've got options now. So I like the flexibility aspect of it. Again, I think it addressed a need. The Browns have shown the mindset to be aggressive, uh, you know, in free agency addressing their needs. The drawback, as I said, is he's overpaid. That's why he was getting released in, in the first place. Uh, you know, again, he's been very productive. He's been consistently productive. Thousand-yard seasons. Amari Cooper is solid. That's the best way to describe him is he is solid. So I think the Browns wanted some solid, you know, dependability uh, in that wide receiver room, and they got it. Now the question is, what are they going to add around him? I, I still lean the draft. We'll see if they kind of pick at the bottom of the pile of, of some of these receivers as well. I'm happy. I mean, you will go look at, you know, the Christian Kirks of the world. Clearly, there was a market for, for some top receivers here. Uh, so I'm not surprised that the Browns ended up deciding Cooper was a better option than doing that. So that's ultimately uh, where I land with this Cooper uh, business. I think it's fine. It's solid. I'm not jumping over the moon about it. And, and to speak on the domino piece of things, you know, with, with Jarvis Landry getting released, like, guys, this just had to happen. It had to happen. The production wasn't anywhere close to the value. If you were going to bring it back, it was going to be for, you know, whatever it was, $15, $16 million. It's, it's, it's not close. It's it, He's just so far off. Like, I get, you know, the he's a leader. Um and I think, you know, ultimately, I would just sum it up like this. I don't regret paying Jarvis Landry that contract for a few of the Browns. I think he was a nice culture fit here. I think he helped turn things around in Cleveland. He had a couple of productive years there where he was really fun to root for. He's aged out at this point, and the contract didn't match uh, the production. I think the Browns probably expected that at this point, with the way it was structured. 
And so he's got to go. And that's the, you know, the business nature of the NFL that everybody loves to talk about and reference all the time, but it is true. And it's time for Jarvis to go. And I think he wanted probably to go at this point. And okay. It was a nice experience for everybody. It's time to move on. So it happens. Uh, but I, I'm not surprised it happened. And I would have rather have done the Cooper trade than keep Jarvis Landry. I would have rather yeah, the Browns go draft somebody or sign somebody else, you know, for a lower amount than what they were going to have to pay Jarvis Landry. So if he didn't want to, you know, restructure to a, a really low amount, which is a, a brought up on this podcast before, does not happen uh, all that often uh, for a player that's in that late of a stage, you know, that likely can't make up the money anywhere else at any time, then okay. You say, you know, it, it's been great working with you, but time to move on. So that's that, that, uh, you know, of course, created some space. You know, this Cooper trade was clearly expensive. The Browns still have other ways to create cap as well. I mean, I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion that Case Keenum will be gone at this point. Uh, I think, you know, the other option would be Austin Hooper, or at least the second best option, I think, would be Hooper. And that's another thing we didn't talk about that, uh, that David Njoku is going to be back here. And my opinion on Njoku has shifted uh, in the sense that I think he is a number one tight end. Now, is he Travis Kelsey? Is he any, you know, any of those top guys? No, he is not. But he has proven to me that he is worthy of getting that franchise tag of the Browns, making sure he's around as, as a Cleveland Brown because he's become way improved as a blocker. His hands have gotten better. They're still a concern. I think that's part of the reason he's not in that top group, but he is a, a great athlete who causes some matchup problems. And in this offense, you need production from the tight ends. Baker Mayfield loves his tight ends. He, he clearly has a connection with Njoku. Uh, and, and I think this is a no-brainer to me. He had to come back. It's, it was very strange. It felt like some people thought Njoku was everything and, and that the Browns couldn't lose him and, you know, that he's in, you know, that, that top tier of tight end class. And then other people were were super down on him and say, now, no, the Browns shouldn't retain him, whatever. And I was just it, it, somewhere in the middle as far as Njoku from a production standpoint, but I do think it makes sense for the Browns to, to, to keep him. Everybody's saying, oh, that's a lot of money to invest in the tight end position. What I'd say that is number one, the Browns clearly want to invest a lot in the tight end position with the offense, the way it's run. But number two, uh, this is like the sunken cost fallacy here with Austin Hooper. Like that contract was a mistake, but like it's done. It's over. Like Hooper is not living up to that contract. You still need production out of the tight end. So yeah, you know, hopefully the, the Browns can, either just deal with it for another year or if they'll move on from Hooper and, and eat some of it. And well, I mean, again, that was a mistake. That doesn't mean you need to make a mistake in letting David and Joku go either. And, and so I'm happy to see that he's back uh, as part of this offense too. And, and they'll figure out the cap stuff again, even if it is Treader. I know some people are, are freaking out about that, but with what I saw from Nick Harris uh, this year, that wouldn't be an absolute disaster by any means. I do think, this means that Jadavion Clowney is gone. I think Jadavion Clowney was gone anyway. He's not coming back. It does stink that there is some dead cap as part of the, the, the contract he signed with the Browns. But look, Jadavion Clowney said as much uh, in, in the reporting in, at the podium that this was going to come down to money. Jadavion Clowney has had very high demands reportedly in the past money-wise. And it's apparently a big reason why he chose Cleveland last year. So, Coming off a productive year in Cleveland, this is kind of the, 
the risk reward of signing a guy like Clowney for a, you know a short term deal, right? Like you get the great production last year for relatively cheap value. He probably outperformed that. Awesome, uh, especially for a guy with durability issues. I thought that made a ton of sense at the time, and it worked out really well. It was one of the moves last year that worked out fantastically. But he performed well, so now he's gonna you know seek the most money possible, and the Browns probably can't afford it. Okay, that's what happens. They need to go address that position. I don't think it's going to be uh, with Jadavion Clowney. I could be wrong. Maybe they'll create the cap space to bring him back, but I would be surprised. I think it's coming at some point here in the draft. Okay, now I think it's time to talk about the elephant in the room because we've covered the, the transactions that the Browns – oh, no, we, we have one more transaction uh, to cover from the Browns. How did I forget the only actual free agency signing that the Browns made today, which is Taven Bryan, uh, the Jaguars D-tackle – uh, the Browns did sign him for, I believe, one year's $5 million. Uh, and when it comes to a, a free agent tackle from the Jaguars, you expect me to have a lot of opinions, right? Well, I haven't watched this guy a lot. So what did I do? I went immediately and texted the Jaguars podcasters on Blue Wire and said, you know, what's the deal here? And the response I got back was, meh. Up and down player, more ups come in the past game, meh. So that, that's pretty much what you're getting with Taven Bryan. Now, now, let me add a little bit more context to that. This is a guy that was a first-round pick in, in 2018 out of Florida. He's a guy with, uh, you know, very good size and intangibles. I mean, that's why he was a first-round pick. He's 6'4". He ran under a five, you know, second 40-yard dash. He's got great speed, all that kind of stuff. The production in Jacksonville uh, hasn't been there, clearly. That's why. They're letting him go, you know, a couple sacks a year, nothing too crazy. PFF's not that high on him. All that is true. And I don't think Taven Bryan's going to be a you know, hugely impactful player on the Browns in 2021. But a couple reasons why I think the signing makes sense. Number one, you're getting a guy in there again that's going to be, although not amazing, does fill a, a massive hole that the Browns needed to, they had to get somebody in there. Uh, in, in this free agent class, because even again, if you're looking at the guys they've drafted the last couple of years or whatever way well, you want to slice it, they just need a body in, in there to compete. And I don't think this signing could be any worse than the the money they allocated with uh, uh, Andrew Billings last year. On top of that, if you look at what, you know, the Andrew Barry in this front office is value, what do we always talk about? And this is key with the draft as well. They like age. They like physical traits. They are going to take swings on potential, especially at a position like this, where I don't think you want to spend the money, uh, you know, to go get one of those high-priced free agents to fill that void. I don't think that's a good use of resources. I mean, did you see what Larry Joby signed for today? I mean, Sebastian Joseph Day, I think, got exactly what PFF projected, like $24 million guaranteed or something like that. So it's just a lot of money for a team that's got you know resources you know otherwise allocated to other positions rightfully so so yeah i don't think Tavon bryan's going to be this guy that like everybody's going to be super excited about in, in in cleveland but i think he is uh you know a guy that's gonna plug a hole and then maybe there's some potential there it's like a swing on a second draft guy you know he's in jacksonville a losing team Maybe they think they can develop him more. Maybe they see something on film. I saw, you know, Jake Burns tweet on some highlights of him against Buffalo. We had a really nice game. So there are those flashes for sure. And maybe that's what will materialize in Cleveland. But as I said, every time a free agent signs, you have to think, why did they sign? 
why are they a free agent in the first place? Jacksonville clearly did not see this guy as somebody that was part of their long-term plans. They've moved on. So we'll see if the Browns can uh, change things. But uh, I would say, again, that's kind of like a, a, a B minus signing for me uh, as well. And I would maybe put the Cooper one uh, as transaction or as a trade at like a B. Um, actually, no, flip those. I would say B and B minus because I, this one makes at least a lot more sense to me uh, as far as pricing is concerned. Okay, now let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is these reports about Deshaun Watson and the Browns. Here is my takeaway on this. Uh, number one, I do not think Deshaun Watson will be in the Browns uniform next year. I do not expect the Browns to make that trade. Uh, number one, I don't think the Browns are as interested as other teams are. Number two, I don't think the Browns would offer as much as other teams do. Uh, even if they were as interested, I don't think they have quite the same assets unless the Texans really, really liked Baker Mayfield because the Browns, of course, aren't as high in the draft. Some of the other teams that are going after Watson. I think Carolina, I think New Orleans, I think all those teams are more likely to end up with him. Uh, what I do think this story says is that Andrew Barry in this front office recognized they're at least not 100% satisfied with Baker Mayfield, which is what we should expect. Apparently, that caught some Browns fans by surprise. Now, do I expect Baker Mayfield to be the starter come week one next year? Yes, I do. But I think the front office sees exactly what I see and what so many other people see is maybe the injury played a factor. It almost certainly had to to a degree. But there are other problems on Baker Mayfield's film in 2021 that are not injury-related as well. And the Browns front office would not be doing their job if they were not exploring upgrade op options, specifically as far as Deshaun Watson, I, you know, the, he would be a major upgrade on the field. And I expect that you'll hear reports very, you know, if it's Derek Carr, if it's somebody else, if those guys are truly available, I suspect you will hear the Browns names floated on the periphery. They're not as desperate as some of these other teams to get one of those guys. I don't think they're going to make the move to get one of those guys. But I think, you know, it's not surprising that they're sniffing around. And I do think it is a story that, hey, Andrew Barry recognizes that this is not a, a, a slam dunk with Baker and they have to look at other options. I think that'll come next year. You know, the, the moral part of Deshaun Watson, I don't really want to get into that right now. Uh, I would say personally, it would be uh, tough to root for Deshaun Watson if he was traded to the Browns. Uh, but I, I recognize that everybody feels that way. Uh, I wouldn't, I would hope my team does not do that. I don't know what they, I don't know what I would do as a fan if they traded for Deshaun Watson. I don't know how I'd react. Um, but based on what I know right now, I would be a little bit disappointed, uh, if not a lot of it disappointed. Uh, so I'm hoping and not expecting that I have to kind of delve deeper into those feelings and perspectives and all of that, because I don't think the Browns are ultimately going to make that move. So those are, those are my thoughts. Um, I, again, I think what we do know is that the Browns are not satisfied at quarterback. We've seen all the quotes from Andrew Barry when he took over is he said, quarterback is the number one priority. You figure everything else out after that. And they have tried to surround Baker in, in as, with as much talent as possible to make him succeed. I think They've invested in not only personnel, but coaches and everything else to do that. And I think now what we're realizing is it is down to this season. If it's not a great season this year, I think the Browns are moving on. 
And I think that much has been made very clear from this offseason. Now, one other thing I think we have to touch on, too, is, is what the Steelers did today. Uh, they signed Mitch Trubisky, and apparently he's going to be the starting quarterback uh, this year. And, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you. I tweeted this. But for once, the Steelers got an Ohio guy, and I am not jealous in the slightest. This is not San Antonio Holmes. This is not Cam Hayward. This is not any of those guys. Mr. Trubisky is not an NFL quarterback, guys. And I know everybody likes to jump on Matt Nagy and say, oh, he ruined him. Maybe he'll succeed in this other place. Uh, that, that is not going to happen. Uh, I have watched Mr. Trubisky a lot. Uh, Mr. Trubisky does not see the field very well. Mr. Trubisky has uh, mechanics that break down quite a bit. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, Matt Nagy wasn't an amazing offensive head coach, but I think sometimes it was overblown uh, as to how bad he was. I didn't think the talent was very good on that offense. So uh, the Steelers are going to have a lot of talent around Mitch Trubisky and maybe they'll win eight or nine games. Again, I don't think Ben Roethlisberger was very good last year, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they perform as well uh, as they did then. But I'll tell you what, I am very happy they have Mitch Trubisky and not Jimmy Garoppolo and not Derek Carr and not any of these other quarterbacks that I feel a lot more confident about being better uh, than what Ben Roethlisberger last, was last year. The fact that Steelers fans are debating whether or not Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky is better today is a good sign for Browns fans. That's a good sign, okay? I do not fear him. I will not fear him. Uh, he is an Ohio kid, uh, but shout out Mentor Ohio. But uh, yeah, I cannot believe that's what the direction they're going in. I mean, I know this rookie class is not a good one, but uh, yeah, good luck with that. Kevin Colbert in his last year sending the Mitch Trubisky bandwagon. Have fun. Because uh, I don't think that one's going to work out for the Steelers. I don't really understand that one. Could be totally wrong, but uh, I'm feeling pretty confident about that one uh, as a decision. That's one of those things where, like, he sits for a year and then everybody kind of forgets all of the warts that he had. So it was kind of like Jameis. Uh, when I, all of a sudden everybody was like, oh, Jameis, you know, he, he, should, he should be a starting NFL quarterback again. And it's like, this didn't work the first time for a reason. You know, I feel like that's happening with Marcus Mariota right now too. Everybody's like, Oh, should you trade for Marcus Mariota? Like when these guys don't work out, it's for a reason. There, the Ryan Tannehill situations are very few and far between. There are a lot more guys that just end up busting out in the second stop too, than there are Ryan Tannehill's. So I would be excited uh, as a Browns fan for that piece. That might've been the most impactful thing that happened today uh, for the Browns. All right, you guys, that will do it for this episode of the Rebuild. It was good to be back, good to be talking Browns football. We'll talk a, a lot more soon here on this feed, but day one of free agency in the books. Uh, the Browns have a, you know, a, a pseudo wide receiver number one after a trade. They've got a D-tackle signed, and we've got a lot more to come. So until next time, Browns fans, two words for you. Go Browns.